I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Is It Just Me, a podcast that we like to think gives gravitas to the really important, silly stuff in life. Isn't that right, Joelle, my co-host? The most gravitas. Hello, everyone. Hello, and I'm James Williams. We're going to be talking about super fandom, sport. Yes, Is It Just Me does sport. And flip-flops. Is it just us who hates them? So stay tuned. Of course, it's not just me and Joe. It's not just me. It's not just Joe. We are always, as ever, joined by a guest. And this week, we're joined by a dear friend. He's a writer, a broadcaster, an author. He's just published his most recent novel, which is a fantastic book. It's called The Madonna of Bolton. And he is, I like to think, Bolton's finest. It's the lovely Matt Cain. Hi, thank you Hi. very much for having me. Although, can I just say, isn't it interesting that we feel we have to dismiss the things that we talk about as silly? You would never get men sitting around, straight men rather, sitting around talking about football, apologising for it in advance. True. They build it up into this, they elevate it into it's the beautiful game, and stadiums are like the cathedrals of the present. And then when we listen to Little Mix, it's a guilty pleasure. <laughs> Or I'm reading a trashy novel on the beach. We have to apologise yeah. for it. You aren't true. Why? I mean, I'm not apologising. No, actually, we're, we're deadly serious when we say we are. We, we, we're not. Uh, what, what hint of apology was there in that introduction? How dare you, Matt? Uh, this is like, we like to think this is the news night of the trivia. Yes. Oh, yes. And it's, you know, it's much more entertaining. Yeah, Let's absolutely. be honest. It's yeah. like Mateless and Paxman, right, Joe? Well, I'm not as sexy as Mateless. <laughs> I'm not as sexy as Paxman. No, you're not, actually. <laughs> I, mean, I love you. Speaking of guilty pleasures, <laughs> I, did, I did once used to have a little bit of a thing for Paxman. But it's, it's now... It's, it's the rudeness, Matt. I couldn't... I couldn't oh, really? It. What does that say about you psychologically? Yeah, I don't know. Rudeness turns you on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but that, I think that's quite common. Even the girls on Love Island were saying the other night, sorry, yes, I'm, the, I'm that Love Island person, but one of the girls said she's not been finding this guy that attractive and the second he kind of stood up to her, she's like, oh, I found it a real turn on. But so, what is that? Is that um I think we're just a mess, Matt. I think that's what it is. We're a mess. A goddamn we are. hot Brexity mess. <laughs> well no, I think maybe. I think I, I always think that, you know, we, 
you know, we're quite, I'm a strong character. I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say you're, you're quite strong characters too. And I think yeah. weirdly, you need to be kept to a certain point in check. Otherwise you would like, you know, ride roughshod. Yeah, I think, so I like the yeah. idea of somebody you can spar with in a fun way. Not definitely, in a... definitely when you're a strong character, if you, if somebody is a walkover, if everybody around you is a pushover, it's not very attractive, is it? No. You do like to be kept in check. But the extreme example of those kind of Love Island girls who like a guy to be rude to them is when you get women going back to abusive relationships. And obviously there's some kind of psychological reason in their backstory, I imagine. They've been brought up to believe that's all they deserve. Mm. But... Um, Sorry, I'm really bringing things down to a really well, serious... Yeah, suddenly it is news. I know, really. <laughs> yeah. No, but to be fair, I think we should talk, obviously, you're in the middle of promoting your new book. Yes. The Madonna of Bolton. Um, but also, we should talk a little bit about, I love how this book came to be, because you've been working on this for 12 years. Yes. So you had this dream of writing this book, and essentially you've taken Madonna's songs, and every song is a chapter, right? Yes. And it's basically the soundtrack, kind of semi-autobiographical... Yes, but you know what, just sorry, just as you were talking then, it just occurred to me that this is partly about a boy who grows up, he has a really hard time in life, he's bullied a lot at school, people tell him, in his case he's gay, and people tell him he's dirty, disgusting, this is the 80s when everybody thought gay men were disease-carrying perverts, mm. and that's what he grew up believing. Sorry, I'm just going back to our Love Island point. And what, ha- and what happens is later on in life, he's attracted to bad men who don't treat him very well, and various other... It, this, this kind of... The way he's made to believe about himself when he's growing up determines his behaviour later in life. I'm making it sound like it's a really heavy read. It's not. <laughs> it's the most light, fluffy, fun read. It was just starting it, off by it, talking about... It comes from that really emotional place. Yeah. Which I find fascinating and really moving. Yeah. And also it's about finding... You know... It's pop music, of course, yeah. but, you know, I, and I, I have some empathy where, where this book's come from, because I remember being a kid growing up and, and being confused about who I was and my sexuality, and some like Madonna, who was out there and unapologetically doing what she wanted to do to the beat of her own drum, for me, it's not, it wasn't quite, I think, to the same degree that you found it. wasn't but, a spirit guide. No. Well, should I tell you what, James, the, the thing about this book, since it's been out, um, so many people have come up to me and said, or mainly on social media, and have said, um, this book was my life, or I was the same when I was growing up and my mum and dad were getting divorced, I listened to Morrissey all the time, or David Bowie, or somebody was telling me about when their dad was having addiction issues, they got really into the Manic Street Preachers and they were a lifeline. Mm. It felt like they were the only ones who understand, understood this person. And I do think, actually, in the same way as a lot of straight men, I know there's also gay men who like football and also straight women who like football, but in a way, for a lot of them, football is a real kind of emotional support and a tool for expressing their emotions. And an acceptable one. Mm. An acceptable one, yeah, yeah. absolutely, yeah. for straight men. Um, pop music can be like that for so many people and so many other people can be dismissive of it as Mm. kind of light fluff. Whereas to me, it kind of saved my life when I was growing up. But these people are, they are cultural icons and you use the word spirit guide. They are spiritual Mm. icons as well. And it's similarly to you. Well, I mean, I I didn't have, obviously, I'm a straight woman. I didn't have the issues that you had growing up. But I really, Madonna had seminal moments for me as well in that I remember... 
when she first became famous and she was, um, they'd done an interview with her in Dolly magazine, my, my favourite <laughs> magazine. It was my Bible when I was a kid and I actually went to work there for my first job. Just the fact that you said it was your Bible in, yeah. in, implies that there's some spiritual connection it's, that you had with ah, it. And then mm. she, I remember being about 13 years old and her saying in this interview, you know, I'm not here for a flash in the pan thing. This time next year, I want to be getting those Grammys with Michael Jackson. And I remember reading that, and my first reaction was, gosh, she's full of herself. That's, that's a bit forward, isn't it? And yeah. it was like probably, it was a year later when she only went and damn well did it. She mm. was up there winning Grammys with Michael Jackson. I think she even went to the Grammys with Michael Jackson mm. that year. I remember thinking, for the first time, thinking, Christ, that is, that's amazing that a woman yeah. can be yeah. that unapologetic. And, yeah. and that was and my ambitious. first... Yeah. And that was my first example of that that I remember well I yeah so I was I've been doing a lot of analyzing and reflecting on what my connection was with Madonna and obviously she stood up for the gays when nobody else did which is great but I was also thinking why did so many women connect with her particularly in the 80s and 90s and for me it's absolutely her drive when women were told um, not to be ambitious, it's unattractive. And actually, you hear all the time on Love Island, when the boys say to the girls, what's your type? And they say, um, well, you know, another, they ask what they're like, what you want out of life. And they always say, well, I do, I do think career's important, but it's not too important. Mm. I do want to value my relationship. You know, as if it's going to put somebody off. unfortunately, off. we still have that myth that I, I, there's a lot of films where the girl's only truly happy when she puts yes. her relationship yeah, yeah, yeah. in her career. Well, and I really hate it. And uh, Prada was a good example of yeah. that. Yeah. Well, and it makes me laugh, actually. Not so much with Madonna, but more people like Kylie. You used to get this thing a few years ago, this poor Kylie thing. Mm. And it would always be, yes, yeah, she's sold however many million albums. She tours the world. Everybody loves her. She's made all this money. But she can't keep a man, can she? No. Poor Kylie. As if she's doing something wrong. And the thing about Madonna was... She gave us an example, straight women and, and gay men in particular, um, of kind of, you know, it was an acceptable, it was an, it was an example of a drive that lots of us wanted to channel. Yeah. And for me, I saw her, you, you know, I was having a tough time in life. We knew that her mum had died when she was five. That's pretty much the big one in terms of having a tough time growing up. We knew she'd had heartbreak in her love life. But what I loved about her was she didn't pour out all her emotions in her music. She literally strrapped on her armour. Some of the costumes, that Jean-Paul Gaultier corset, looked like a shield. It was a literal shield. And it was, you are not getting any emotion now. I am going to be a steely, defiant ice queen. This is how you do it Mm. to survive. And look, she survived. And so many of us wanted to channel that. Yeah. When yeah. we were going through a tough time. Also, I think you have to remember, you know, she made it. I mean, at the time, it was so shocking. And I remember everyone wrote her off and said, yeah, when she produced the sex book and erotica, they said, she's gone too far, this is pornography. Um, and, you know, everyone said she was never going to recover from that. I mean, personally, my favourite thing about that is my, 70, my, well, my then 70-year-old grandmother, when she asked me what I wanted for Christmas in 1992, I said, Madonna's book. My grandmother unwittingly walks into W.H. Smith and just buys it because it was covered in foil. Yeah, yeah, Buys yeah. the Madonna's book. On Christmas Day, cuts it, giving it to me. I open up the foil and, well, essentially produce four frontal pictures of Madonna. My grandmother nearly has heart failure. Thinking, <laughs> oh, my God, what's the woman in W.H. Smith going to think I bought you this book? Um, but 
But in all seriousness, you know, I don't think you would have had Sex in the City had it not no, been for Madonna's no, 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 sex no. book. She made it perfectly alright for women to talk about their sexuality. And, you know, certainly for me, I remember being shocked by that book, but it certainly was well, a you know what? provoking thing as well. I would love your perspective on this because people talk to me about Madonna all the time now and it's kind of become like a <laughs> metaphor for life, analysing Madonna in relation to You're like a dear, dear friend. I might as well do. But I would love your perspective because you say she made it all right for women to talk about their sexuality. She did. And her fan base was primarily women and girls and gay men. But throughout the 80s, when she was selling millions and millions and millions, it was straight women. And then she did lose them. Mm. Around sex, and it was, you know, so she was talking about sexual expression, standing up for yourself, open your heart, express yourself, those videos. And then when she did Erotica and the sex album, people, a lot of the female fans deserted her. A lot of the gay fans started to think of her as more of an ally then, because she was slut-shamed, she was banished onto the fringes of acceptable society because of her sexuality. So we saw her as more of a kindred spirit. But a lot of the women fans deserted her, and they only came back when she started doing things like Ray of Light and music, when she stopped being... So confrontational. So my question for you to me... I think you've probably described me there. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Yeah, and I, I don't know, I never sort of woke up one day and went, well, I hate Madonna now, but it didn't. Mm. It felt alien to me. It didn't feel like it was... Um, she, she didn't feel like she was speaking to me in the same way. She, it definitely felt like she was much more alpha than me, um, much more... Um, sexually attractive jury all those things but it was it just became too intimidating also I would also argue though I think as well you have to look at it without sounding like a total nerd about Madonna I think you know the music became slightly less commercial around that time as well you know she did abandon mm. the true blue the big pop hits that women loved her for it became a lot darker with the image the yeah. music became a bit more grimy a bit darker yeah. so I think it naturally didn't find an audience and then actually but I still maintain I think Everything that happened to her and, you know, where, how she was chastised in the media, I actually think it produced the better album because she actually didn't... She made some of her best work after that. Like, Ray of Light also, is... Also, don't uh, forget, Ray of Light coincided with her becoming a mother. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, and I think that that, you know, that softened her. And I'm not saying it's right that we all liked her when she was softer, but she was... She got really scary. Mm. She did get... And as I, I imagine she'd be the first to admit she was trying to be confrontational. Mm. But a lot of people didn't like it. But what I find interesting now is, you know, you can look at Miley Cyrus twerking or whatever and think it's really radical, but you look back on the sex book and 1992, I think it was, and basically, if you strip it back, what she's saying is... All porn is for men. Mm. I'm a woman and I don't see why I can't explore my own sexual fantasies. 30 years, how many years later is it? 25 years <laughs> yeah. later. I can't remember. My mouth is rubbish. Me neither. Um, was she wrong? Did she go too far? Or was she just being brave and ahead of her time? I think, I I, think the latter. Aren't I oh, also, really? Yeah. Even though you were one of the women who were yeah, turned off by her. I mean, obviously, I, it was a message that a lot of people weren't ready for probably myself included, but I look back on it now and think that, that she... But I also that, think... That's the conversation. I also, but I also think it is part of being a celebrity, and especially a musician. You know, the media, or whoever, or even their audience, people tend to get 
pigeonhole, don't they? And if you look at it, Madonna, yes, of course she did it. But then you mentioned Miley Cyrus did it. Rihanna did it when she went too far with like you know, guns on her album sleeve and talking. You know, they feel this need to rebel against their commerciality, to in a weird way to prove they're relevant or to prove they're more yeah. artistic because they're not basically mm. towing that commercial it's about line. Self-expression Kylie as an artist. You know, Kylie went, when Kylie went indie, she got chastised and said she abandoned her audience. And I'm afraid I still have sort of buttoned up reactions sometimes when your three-year-old wanders into the kitchen singing sex in the air you know i yeah. like the smell of it exactly it doesn't I feel so good no but <laughs> so, i just think yeah. it's, it's um, everybody does it i think madonna was the first one you know because she was a, a trailblazer and i think that's so you you can't forget but i mean we could sit here and talk about this all day to I be know, honest this is a, you should have a podcast uh, about yeah. madonna you could do a, a whole <laughs> do you not think i've been yeah. out of things to talk about no, no. <laughs> What are you talking about? I mean, to be honest, Madonna keeps calling trying to get on this podcast and we keep saying, Madonna. <laughs> but do you know what I mean about it being Wait, a metaphor for life? I have been life. trying to get her on. <laughs> yeah. By yeah. the way, Madonna, we know yeah. you're, you're listening, yeah. so you can come around any time. Do you yeah. not think it's like a metaphor for life, though? You talking about your reactions to Madonna and how they changed. I find that fascinating in terms of getting to know you rather than just her work. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Well, you know, there's nothing wrong with a bit of good, honest hypocrisy. <laughs> you know, sort of like, kind of like weed in and out of my <laughs> pros and pro-Madonna years. Yeah. anti-Madonna years well look yeah. whether you're pro I, or anti-Madonna I, I, I do love her yeah well honestly yeah. whether you're pro or anti-Madonna I think you should read Matt's book it's really really good fun and, and also it's genius because he actually got this crowdfunded so it really is yes you so, made this happen yeah so very briefly the story was I was writing this book 12 years ago I started I had 10 years of rejection everybody's saying to me no one wants to it's not it. commercial because there's a central gay character and female readers will not be able to engage and I was like, this is bollocks. I said, you know, in this day and age, when every time you turn on Corey or EastEnders as a gay character, they have romantic storylines. You've got Sam Smith singing about being in love with a man and having the biggest selling album of the year. And I resent the idea that women only like one kind of story. Chickly. I know, I know. Like they're going to be what chickly with a high that? heel on the cover. Yeah. That's well, basically well, all look, I know, about. I know. But so also, surely one of the big pleasures of reading fiction is putting yourself in the head of another character exactly. from a different background or gender or nationality or sexuality. So Call Me By Your Name, the book, the number of girls I've seen reading that book, and that's a far more out there gay book for one to read. Absolutely. Way of and it. Yeah, and this book is, you know, one of the things I really wanted to explore is another thing that had been such a, had such a big impact on my youth was the special relationship between gay men and their girlfriends. Mm. You know, often these really strong emotional connections that I had growing up, the girls were there for me as allies before I discovered gay friends, you know, and when the straight boys wouldn't have anything to do with me. And, um, you know, they've stayed with me through life. And that's something I really wanted to explore, the nature of that bond. Yeah. Because it is linked mm. to women not feeling that they can talk about their sexuality and seeing gay men as a really a space or um, allies where they can explore some feelings where they might be you know, chastised by other women or they couldn't say to their straight boyfriends. And I was interested in exploring all this. And when people said to me, straight women won't be into it, I'm like, it was no, actually, they will. But it was also, it was, it was actual publishers saying they wouldn't publish this book yeah. because they just didn't think there was an audience for it. Yeah. So then you basically took it online. I it and I said to this crowdfunder, Unbound, who are brilliant, I said to them, right, what's the record for crowdfunding a novel? And they said, two weeks. And I said, right, I'm going to do it in one. And I'm going to cause a massive stir and get a lot of celebrities to back it and get everybody talking about it online. And um, we did. And then just because everybody got talking about it, we sold the film rights, you know, we got a mainstream deal. And 
No, but not just that. You've so also very Madonna of you. Yeah, it is quite Madonna, isn't yeah. it? But also, yeah. she's given you the rights to her music, right, for the film. When if uh, fingers crossed, it all comes together and happens. Well, she we had to get the blessing of her office before we negotiated the deal, and we did get that. I'm not quite sure what that involves, but um, but you're right. The story is quite Madonna. I and mean, actually, when you said that before about Ray of Light, Joe, you said she wouldn't have been able to produce that album unless she'd had the years and when she was slut-shamed and people turned against her. I kind of think with this book, that's the journey it had to have. Yeah. I think people... You made it happen. Like people, she yeah, people kind of rejecting it and people saying it wasn't good enough. It was only by launching it into the world with that backstory that people realised they really wanted yeah. to engage with it. Yeah. So I kind of, even though it was devastating to live through 10 years of rejection and I ended up thinking I was crap and had no talent... Um, actually, to see it really connecting with people now and really taking off, maybe that just had to happen. Maybe it's the right time. You well, know, congratulations, maybe congratulations, yeah. really. Thank you. Anyone who writes a book, exactly. Yeah. And if you are listening, get the book. Prove those publishers wrong because it is yeah. a great book. It's doing really well already. But yeah, grab. Uh, it's available in all bookshops, right? All bookshops, oh. Amazon, all the usuals. Madonna Bolton, check it out. Right then. First up this week, Matt Kane, Joe Elvin, and this is very on brand, I know, for what we've just been discussing. Is it just me, and don't hate me, who isn't a super fan? Now, I know I'm... What? I know. Now, I know I sound like I'm slightly contradicting myself, because I did actually display quite a lot of Madonna knowledge. But my feeling is, I think I'm one of those people that likes a lot of people, but I don't think I'm a super fan. Or t- I would never say, like, for example, I never post posters on my wall as a kid. Oh, did you know? That's interesting. Um, I didn't dream so, about so going you, to see somebody. It's my first gig. So, so, for instance, you wouldn't have spent seven o'clock in the dark one January morning walking the dog and sobbing your eyes out on your own. When David Bowie when passed. When David Bowie died. I remember that day because of your reaction. Oh, my God. Because he was your spirit guide. You were his super fan. I when just... You- uh, he, he was just somebody who, from the moment I discovered him when I was about... I came quite late to David Bowie, obviously, in his career, but I think I was about 12 or 13 when I started to go, oh, he does that song. Oh, that... And, and he was... I just found him a genius. He and was amazing. Hey, you know who else was a super fan? really, really... We just always found him so incredibly handsome. Madonna was a yeah. super fan of David Bowie. Yeah. Madonna was, which makes sense. You know, she paid tribute in some speech and he was the first person she saw in concert. But I think so many people are super fans. It's really interesting. Yeah. Well, I think you, I think you divide into two camps. I really do. But like I said, it's not like I'm somebody who's totally not touched by these things. Like I said, I'm, I grew up with, I love Madonna. I loved, you know, um, kindly, I love Take That. They were my first gig. But it wasn't like I dreamt of... People are going to think you're gay. I know. I mean, I'm giving <laughs> off a very wrong impression, aren't yeah. I? But it's weird. It's like, you know, Take That just happened to be my first gig. But I think for a lot of people... Sure, James. Your first... <laughs> you know I, mean? I think for a lot of people, their first gig would have been that person they'd grown up semi-idolising. Well, well, in Australia, the first gig was the first people I went to. The could be asked to come. And that was, wham. <laughs> I mean, you still won. I mean, what a great first gig. I was going to say, you won the lottery there. Yeah. Um, Can I tell you what, though? What I've noticed when people have talked to me about being super fans and their idols, it's almost like you elect who you're going to love as your idol as a means of signalling to the world who is it's, it's about identity and belonging, isn't it? You put posters up of David Bowie, Madonna, whoever it is, and that tells people something about you. So maybe you were just a bit more committed. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe you were just a bit more sure of yourself. I was a, a musical slag, basically. I would just like you know <laughs> get my ears up for anyone because it's like. <laughs> but, I think I just love pop music, actually. That's true. But it's, I think this is interesting as well, and it does touch upon it. You know, 
you used to, I remember almost having to either bury it or feel slightly ashamed of loving those commercial yeah because they, 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 really? were, they were deemed naff they were deemed gay because yeah. that was what it was called like yeah, the girls yeah. were allowed to like them but you know if you were a boy like banana armor i mean come on no but also and um, that's really interesting yeah because i didn't have that experience yeah you know it, yeah. it was very much deemed oh that's all right for girls but boys should, you know should not be like i think there's still sniffiness around you know we i said right at the beginning about that thing of guilty pleasures mm. why should you be ashamed yeah of liking whatever music it is and this thing where you know, you're meant to feel that, like... That's why I love my husband for when people laugh that we went to Taylor Swift. <laughs> oh, says, I've been to see Taylor Swift. Said, <laughs> and my, my husband, who I'm pretty sure is straight, <laughs> says, but she's amazing. Her songs are brilliant. Yeah. She was fantastic. And I'm really proud of him for that. Because yeah. that's unusual. In a yeah, I think that is. I think that's yeah. really admirable. Yeah. It's, it's even, again, going back to... but. I f- can't help but eye roll when I see like 19 year old kids wearing like Bob Dylan t-shirts. Can't be a bit like, oh, fuck off. You're, you you weren't raised on Bob Dylan. That's the attention, I mean? isn't it? That's well, an electing. But maybe they really well, love no, them. Well, I mean, my, I wasn't the right era no. to be authentic But, but my David point Bowie. being, right, you would see mm. teenagers yeah. wearing Beatles, the Rolling Stones, yeah. even like, you know, Death, um, Iron Maiden. But you don't see them wearing steps or bewitched t-shirts <laughs> because they were just de-naff, right? But yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just, I guess it's a bit weird, isn't it? I There's was made snobbery to feel, about pop music. I was made to feel, why should there be such snobbery? You know, why can't you just know. listen to what you want? Yeah. You know, I, I remember there used to be all the cool indie kids at school. They'd be really into a band nobody'd heard of. The second that single charted, they'd be like, oh, they've sold out now. <laughs> They're too mainstream. And it was like, who could outdo each other with these obscure... obscure underground bands and I'd be like oh I like Madonna see but I think I was a bit weird as I was I, I bonded with the kids who loved Frankie Goes to Hollywood and the gays and the Smiths <laughs> and the Smiths yeah, yeah, I the mean outsiders. I kind of loved all of that I think for me the criteria was British mm. as long as it was British mm. I was I was there and it's like you know it's no coincidence that I live here now it yeah. was my whole world formed was around what was going on in the British charts and in British magazines and yeah. So what was it about Britain, though, that really ignited that spark with you? I think a lot of it was, there was, I mean, Britain in the 80s, it, it was a particular political climate, wasn't it? It was mm. kind of dark, it was angry. There was something exciting about that. It just felt edgy mm. and exciting. I mean, everybody from the specials to the Smiths and people like that were doing these sort of like dark political songs yeah for such a small country to forget even big stadium bands like you too were being all dark and political yeah and it was it just was a bit sexier than mental as anything come up to my place and live it up (laughs) but but i guess it's funny yeah but i think the power of pop or the power of any music actually it is because i think at the moment everyone's been talking obviously about the world cup recently and how it's united this you know brexit divided britain um, well, but five minutes anyway. five minutes but yeah. I do think you know, when you go to a gig I mean I'm getting to that age and I don't go to that many gigs when you do go it's actually really nice because you, you are there with a like minded bunch yeah. of people who all yeah. love to say it's stuff magic. and it yeah. is and I think actually it's one of those things you should do more of because actually it's good for yourself I totally agree and shall I tell you what I find interesting obviously the Mamma Mia film is coming out the new one and that's celebrating pop music and the impact it can have on lives but um, I was also thinking about the Greatest Shaman film. Because do you remember when that came out? Mm. The critics were so snobby about yeah. it. And then they were saying it was cheesy because it was just every song was a banger about following your dream and this, that and the other. And then um, they were so snobby about it and everybody thought it would tank. 
and it opened with an alright box office and it got bigger, bigger and bigger, bigger and bigger and bigger. The album stayed at number one for about six months. And usually a film opens high and then starts to tail off. Yeah. And I think... No, it's a new cult. I yes. think, yeah, yeah, it is like yeah. a cult. But yeah. I think people in the industry underestimated that audiences just want to connect with good music and just unfettered kind of no joy. pretension joy, just joy. Exactly. and, and it doesn't wrong. matter if you know Mamma Mia might be cheesy but it's got a lot of heart yeah. Yeah. and I think people want that and that's why they listen to pop music they want that joy yeah. Yeah. that I release embrace your pop music embrace your tribe basically is what we're saying find your people and go to those gigs because it is good I mean and I said this to somebody who saw Steps a couple of weeks ago and I it mean, was amazing oh I love Steps <laughs> it is hard as a sort of you know someone who absolutely adored Morrissey as a kid it's quite difficult these days <laughs> oh yeah well. <laughs> I mean, that's where you and I fall out, Morrissey. Yeah. Uh-uh. <laughs> Sorry, give me Rick Astley any day. Obviously, we know you're listening to us, guys, and you are clearly super fans of the show. So do uh, let us know what you think of the show. Send us any ideas for topics. We love hearing from you. The email address is isitjustmepodcast at gmail.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. That's greenlight.com slash ACAST. So, the question that I have <laughs> that I need to bring to the table that I feel really strongly about I'm again, ready. It's, I'm it's, ready. it's frivolous, it's silly, but is it just me who can't stand the sound of flip flops? It's literally like chalk down a blackboard. I can't flip flops on the beach, fine, but. Um, this kind of year must be very difficult for you. Yeah, it is, it is. <laughs> flip flops in the city. I know two people who work in offices where the bosses have banned flip-flops because they find the slip, slap, <laughs> slip, slap sound so annoying. Right, I have many questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's an antipodean. Yeah, I bet you grew up with flip-flops. How dare you insult their <laughs> national <laughs> shoe? In Australia, mate, we call them thongs. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. you got to you got to yeah. thongs for the beach. So what do you call a thong? What we call a thong? G-string. Ah. Yeah. Let, did you, anyway. Don't you remember when Home and Away and Neighbours go and they used to call them thongs? We used to think it was so <laughs> funny that these kids called it them thongs. Nothing anyway. like, what a spunk, though. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. I remember that. Um, anyway. Anyway, we're digressing. We're, as absolutely. Ever. 
is, is it just flip-flops or is it any manner of open-toed footwear no, that makes that sound? I'm, I'm not squeamish about um, feet. open toes or feet. It's the slip, it's slapping slap. sound. Because I've got a few it. sandals that make that sound as well. It's, so. it's pro- I probably wouldn't cope very well with <laughs> <Okay>. them. <laughs> and so when you... Um, does it... Describe the, the actual irritation to me. Is it just anger and annoyance and impatience or does it make you feel nauseous in some way? It makes me want to scream at the top of my voice, make that person take those flip-flops up now, I can't bear it. I think there's something wrong with me. Such a no. Um, no, I do know what you mean because I'm going to sound like such a freak now because I do wear flip-flops and I guess I'm lucky enough to work in, a, in an industry where, you know, we, can, we have a more relaxed dress code. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we would wear flip-flops to work but I have very strong rules about men and summer attire so my rule is it's oh. a bit like you know that old rule about women should never show cleavage and legs either legs or cleavage and what happens if they do she's well I mean, just obviously a... the, the world oh, falls off its axis yeah. um, but no my, my rule is uh, is that men well to be kind of work appropriate should either show leg or feet so you should wear shorts with a closed toe shoe oh. or you wear long trousers with a flip-flop but hang on a minute I think shorts and a closed-toe shoe, that's a bit of a weird look, isn't oh, it? I've it many, say, many times. You know, that's, what I've, that's what I've got on now. Joe doesn't realise that under the table. I'm wearing... Making friends everywhere on this podcast. When you said that then, I was thinking of, like, <laughs> shorts with, like, a brogue and a sock. Well, I mean, to be honest, I, I, that is wear, quite... I would wear a smart shoe with a good brogue. In a smart shorts are with a good brogue. It does work, trust me. But I am slightly digressing. But then... So as somebody who has worn flip-flops to work with a long trouser, may I add, um, I know that noise. It can be, especially when you're walking down escalators on the tube. Oh, it's horrendous. People just clatter down them. So I've kind of devised this really clearly very uptight way of walking where I kind of hold on to the, sh- the flip-flops so they don't fall off and make well, that noise. I'm not a control freak at all. A well, Kiwi... I'm really learning a lot of things I'd like to unlearn today. I know, I know. Yeah. A, a Kiwi friend of mine who was saying that they grew up with flip-flops, um, although I don't know whether they call them thongs they, though they too. They definitely grew up they with They call them thongs. thongs. Yeah. But he was saying people wear them differently though. He said, we don't wear them properly. He said, um, they, they make that slip-sapping sound here and they don't though. They do. What's that about? <laughs> I don't know. I was kind of like, what does he mean? I was in Intrigued. I mean, what, it does remind me, um, I don't really wear flip-flops that often. I do wear a lot of sandals. Mm. But I've had to throw out shoes that fart. You're walking along your real, and it's just a particular way the foot slaps down in the oh. air. So you're walking going... Yeah, that's... And I just like, I can't actually burn this. My, my shoes are farting everywhere I go. It's like a cowbell. You should send, some, like, you should send some feedback to the manufacturers about that. because I think, that's... Well, I just I think it might be my feet. <gasps> no, yeah. that's, just, that's a design fault, surely. Yeah, it's like, it's not a good look. No. I mean, not... my other worry is, I mean, I, I mean, I've noticed this actually, people who wear flip-flops to work, then I think you're on a flip-floppery slope because yeah. then often they kick them off. So they actually end up walking yeah, around the yeah, office yeah. barefoot. And I think that's a line cross. I, 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 to be honest, I kind of feel that, yeah, if you're going to wear a barely there shoe, it's got to have some nod to formality mm. for the office. So I would, I, I would be, as a boss, I probably would turn my nose up silently. I wouldn't say anything. <laughs> but I wouldn't like to see a rubber pair of flip-flops. But if you've got a leather... Mm. 
thong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean though, because it does you know make you I feel mean? like you're at the beach, you're for a day relaxing. I, I you're not going to be in work little, mode. I do feel it's a little bit crossing the line mm. in terms of respect for. But God, I, do, I sound like such a such an ass. Well, no, but I think this opens up a conversation because I think you know because we're not used to, and this actual summer is a huge exception. You know, we're having a proper summer. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. As a rule, we're we're not blessed with good summers are we so I think the problem with the UK is so you palms do lose it a bit we do the minute the heat the, comes yeah, and we, we don't know how to curl yeah, we don't know how to dress yeah. they, 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 they they tend to go too far and then wear far too little far too quickly I mean I keep thinking of, I know it was in America but that image of Simon Cowell um, on the beach in Miami wearing jeans black loafers <laughs> Cuban heel. Oh yeah, no, I and remember. No shirt. I know. Yeah, so I that, think that that defines the British male experience for me in the sun. Somebody yeah. said to me that um, I remember. I can't remember who it was. Somebody in my family when we were coming off the beach and the men had the tops off. It was like you need to put your t-shirt on now because it's really common for a man to walk around in public with his so. top off. Well, I have to say, I was in Sainsbury's yesterday and there was a man with his top off walking around Sainsbury's. And I'm sorry, I know I'm uptight, but I thought that was a bit inappropriate. Because well, there's food. But if a woman was in a bikini top. I don't want, you know, your nipples grazing my avocado. body hair in that vicinity yeah. than there is on a woman. Yeah. But interestingly, yeah. isn't it? You'd hope. Do you yeah. think that's worse than a woman wearing a bikini top in Sainsbury's? Yeah, but not, I think a bikini top is more like a vest to a man. At least it's, no, it's a nod I, to no, some clothes. I, I think that... It feels listen, wrong, doesn't it, when a man's been, topless? But, but I've been at um, the local swimming pool and realised that some of the mums are looking at me and giving me a look. When I, then I realise I'm the only one in a bikini. Mm. And that's at the pool. <laughs> so people are upset with it. But, but, no, but that's so a, but that's I, a I weird. I wouldn't go into a shop in a bikini top. No, but there's a yeah. weird hang up though. It's I like think a bra. it's a weird hang up though in this country. I think about bikinis and ages, and I think that, again that's a British thing because on the continent you see grannies in their eighties yeah. wearing bikinis. It's a really British weird thing whereby it's a bit like you know length of skirt. A woman over a certain age can't wear this length of skirt, well, also, and a woman over a certain age has to wear a full swimsuit, not a, not a yeah, bikini. Yeah. It's us being Madonna wouldn't put up with well, this shit. Well, just say I was just I was just going to say I started by saying Madonna did this, telling us all to be freer with our sexualities, and isn't it great? And now we're sitting here being uptight. I mean, she used to famously wear her underwear. As yes, I used to wear, she true. used to wear a bra, didn't she? And um, then I just said, I've just realised that, talk about hypocrisy, I've just said, um, you know, that woman going into Sainsbury's with a bra top, or a man being topless. Well, um, you know, we're clearly just still very repressed. We're, we're still conditioned, aren't we? Madonna, we're you've s- got more work to do. <laughs> and, we did, and, we did, and we did say we're massive hypocrites. We never said anything. We never said we weren't hypocrites. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? We've still got so much more work to no, do. Does it just shows you we're all the product of conditioning? Yeah, yeah true. Yeah, exactly. I still okay. don't want to see a topless man in Tesco. No. I just don't want to. <laughs> like I said, nipples and avocados, no. Um, so basically, you can take back what you said about uh, bikini tops, but you stand by the flip flops. I stand by the flip flops, and I know think... that it's my personal, individual irritation with no, the sound. Weirdly, I, I think you might touch a nerve. I think a lot of people out there might be listening, going, "Yes, I hate well, them too." Funnily enough, I did date this guy once years ago, um, and I remember on an early date him confiding in me. I can't remember how it came up that he had this horrendous irritation around flip-flops. And I was like, oh my God, maybe you're the one. You're the soulmate. This is going to work. I'm going to get married. <laughs> Obviously that didn't happen. See? But, you know. They're out there. Don't give up hope. You can still find your flip-flop-hating soulmate. I, I bet there's a support group. Yeah. I was going to say, if there's any gay men in that support group who hate flip-flops, 
Get in touch. Yeah. Slide into Matt's DMs. <laughs> both, both of you, please email. I was going to say, direct messages, yeah. not DMs yeah. to shoes. I know we're on a DM. Yeah. DM, not the DM. Uh, anyway, so yes, uh, I guess that lays that one to rest. I still stand by them. I like my flip-flops, sorry. Well, I'll allow it. Okay. Depends, depending on the material. Answer me this. Would you wear your rubber flip-flops to work at GQ magazine? No, probably not. <laughs> I bet the men at GQ but don't I wear do have, yeah, But I do have... I'm with you. I'm, I have a slightly more formal, leather-tougher-looking, more sandal flip-flop, if well, you know that's what I mean. all right, then. Yeah. Again, hypocrisy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm We're all hypocrisy. great big hypocrites. Let's hear it for hypocrisy. <laughs> Is it just me who's a bit, well, probably more than a bit, a lot of a fair weather sports fan? Yes. And I'm also, I have to say, um, I hold my hand up. I know that hardcore football fans get annoyed with fair weather football fans, but I, with the World Cup recently, I kind of held back. I thought, am I going to invest my emotional energy until... I know whether or not it's worth it, whether or not they stand a cut in health chance. That's my whole thing with, particularly in this country, the football. My God. I mean, I've seen grown men who I work with nearly in tears. I know, and I it's know. like, I just, I've got so many things to worry and stress about it. Just, it feels like so painful, mm. particularly to be an England fan. Yeah. Um, and I, I did, but then I did find myself, I, there's something about what happens to the country where you get yeah. whipped up in it. And, you, yeah. and if you don't, and you, you're missing out. You're... Yeah, and um, then I saw what it did for newspaper sales, so I kind of got <laughs> got in, interested in that way as well. Yeah. But it's, um, I don't know, I, I, and then I, I've got this thing when whenever I watch England play in the World Cup, they do lose. So I, like a weird sort of fan, I, superstition. I, I, I very loyally didn't watch the football, even though ultimately I don't care if they win either way. Or yeah. Or I can't, I have to say, I, I got into it watching the last few matches, but I really wasn't that bothered. And it, all, it slightly bothers me. I mean, it's great when all the country gets behind them and it is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And you do feel part of something. But at the same time, as somebody who's always worked in the creative industries, the arts, the entertainment industries, I kind of have thought a few times... We're not that... I mean, all right, we did quite well this year, but mm. we're not that good at football. No. Some of the areas in which we are literally world leaders are don't things like theatre, film, get, music, the yeah. and they don't get the hype and we don't celebrate but them also, as much. It's so weird to but me. But also, that. I would argue as well, even within the realm of sport, we don't do that. There is this really strange obsession with this country. They think it's a national sport. They think we're all obsessed by it. And, and I say this to somebody who, like you, I got into the World Cup and I think they did great. Because they outperformed. They went there with no yeah, expectations. Yeah, yeah. And everyone was pleasantly surprised. The number of times they've gone there with expectations and they've disappointed yeah. and so talk about And it. I fancy going with Southgate. Yeah, I fancy going with Southgate. But my issue here is that, you know, we are better at so many other sports that don't get the primetime TV spots. They don't get the back pages of the newspapers. And I find that annoying. And I, and I'm, you know, and, and I say this as somebody who actually, I would argue, I am interested in sports, and I do read the back pages. I, I try to keep abreast of all sport, not just football. The thing is, um, I, Olympics, yeah. for example, Team GB. I'm, I'm, I'm massively obsessed. But we with did that. get behind Wimbledon, them. Didn't yeah. Tell me this, right? I mean, look, I, I'm not particularly interested in sports, mm. but that doesn't mean I'm down on it. If mm. that's your thing, all power, yeah, all yeah, power yeah, yeah. to you. That said, why? Why is the sport a third of the news? I know, yeah. I know, I've, I've never, I know. Ever understood that? Well, I don't understand like, that. Well, we should say male sport because, yeah, as we know, women's sports are getting yeah. near the coverage that men's sport gets. You know, if you, 
um, launched a news show and said, and now we're going to devote the last 10 minutes for this half an hour to fashion, everybody would be outraged. I know. I know. But I don't see how it's any yeah. more illogical. Well, exactly. I, I don't. It, I don't. It's as frivolous as anything else we've talked about, as pop music. But you know, yeah. it's not changing lives, it's not saving lives, but somehow it's totally, you know, well, above this like. Can, you know, I, can I just say, when I used to be the arts correspondent on Channel 4 News, I used to always have to fight to get arts pieces on. And actually, I, I did get them on. They were behind it. Yeah, can you imagine winning and losing an argument to Matt? It's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not going to happen. But, um, sorry, cackling again. I like an old hag. Um, but isn't it interesting that nobody questions a third of news bulletins being, being given over to sport? I just find that I fascinating. I've never when, understood it. No. And yeah. when, especially when we're not that good at it. Well, well I had... This was very interesting. The other night in the pub, actually, I um, you know, people started talking, obviously, about, you know, knighthoods for Gareth Southgate and, you know, how they wanted, you know, them to have a, a victory parade for coming forth. I'm like, guys... Keep it in context. They came fourth. Did right? they come fourth rather than third? No, they, came, they lost. They lost. Oh, did the they? Yeah, See, they obviously, I'm so far weather yeah. that I. You gave up. Yeah, once <laughs> they were in the final, you were done. Yeah, they did. They lost that they, game yeah. where you determined third. And yeah, third they came fourth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then somebody then rightly said, "You know what's going to happen? Come BBC Sports Personality of the Year. They're going to probably get you know Team of the Year." And then somebody said, "But wait a second. What about the netball players who basically won gold in the Commonwealth Games? The not first the ladies, yeah, the women. Don't yes, got. But you know yeah. that was literally." Unbelievable! They broke. They a they won the goal. They beat Australia, who have been dominant in that sport forever. But it's just that typical thing because now, at the time, everyone was excited by it. But of course, they've dropped off the radar, and suddenly football is getting this. It's definitely it's definitely things that are considered male and appeal to men, and things that are considered. I mean, it's like something like. You know, all right, so the World Cup of pop music, so when Adele had the two biggest selling albums that literally pissed all over anything else in the charts for those two years, um, 19 and 25, not 19, 21 and 25, um, did we celebrate that as a nation? I mean, I don't quite know how you celebrate it as a nation, music, rather than all getting behind a football team, but were we as proud of her conquering the world as we would have been if our national football team had won the World Cup? I mean, it's true. But, you know, but the other interesting point I would say, you know, I, I'm often at a pub quiz and a sports round or a sports question oh, comes up. And it's I'll, like a third of the quiz. Yeah, yeah. but, you know, I'll get it That's right. That's why I don't do pub quizzes. <laughs> I can't do but, them. I'm saying, I, I'll often get a sports question right and you will not believe the number of, well, straight people, but also gay people that say to me, oh, get you, what a surprise you knowing that. Because it's considered a straight being, male thing. Oh, well, you're a gay man, why would you know anything about sport? And it is... Well, are we guilty... Is this our hypocrisy again? Are we guilty of making that assumption? You know, in the same way as we said... Or we care about Madonna and Kylie. Pop music is considered a female domain. Mm. Do we consider football a straight male domain? I think we probably... And we're kind of allowed in as... Well, the lionesses are as good. The female female is as good as the male. You know, I do know a lot of female football fans, but they they do... I think most of them would agree that... um, they, it doesn't feel like they're allowed to own it in the same way yeah. as, as men. They're, they're allowed as kind of occasional guests who are being yeah. let mm-hmm. in yeah. to a male world. Yeah. Um, you know, a straight male world, should we say. Yeah. But, you know... It, but it's like, it's, my fair weatherness is the World Cup, but it's also Wimbledon. I don't really care about tennis, but I love going to Wimbledon. Yeah, yeah I've been it, and really loved it, I think that's actually. for the pims. <laughs> I just like the shits and giggles of Wimbledon. Yeah. Although we don't call them that there because we're very posh. You're not allowed to. You get chucked out. I love the rules there. Yeah. I yeah, but if you it. grew up loving Britain as an Aussie, you must... I mean, Wimbledon must represent no, the ultimate was, kind only, of... It was only through the prism of pop music, Matt. It wasn't uh, in a sport. Not the all-in tennis. It wasn't English in any other way. <laughs> it certainly was not that... 
boring as ass game cricket. <laughs> oh, I know. It's like, oh yeah. my God. It's tremendous, if isn't you it? grow up in Australia, you every summer holidays, you, every single channel just seems to have men running around a brown field. Wow. Oh, no. can I just yes. say, my dad was always, still is, a really big cricket fan. And he has that thing. When I say to him, I'm sorry, I just think it's boring. He will always say, it's because you don't understand the rules. It's like, Dad, I understand the rules and They're I still boring. think it's boring. And I always to understand. No. no, but I always say, do you remember when you were kids and you used to play non-stop cricket? And you basically speed it up and it would be like a sport rather than all that walking around. I just think, why don't they do that? Why don't they speed it up a bit? Why does it last all day or well, five did, days? They, they did introduce one-day matches in Australia. And that was exciting because they all um, wore day-glow coloured uniforms instead of the white. Ooh. So I enjoyed that. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. No, see, my, my one, and I, I like most sports, but my one that I just can't get my head around is Formula One. That oh, is so It's so boring. basic, isn't it? Driving a car just fast around the track. driving a fast car around and around and around. It's like so... And the noise of it. I just find well, it so annoying. Speak again, fair weather Elvin. I, um, <laughs> I got invited to Monaco. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not Monaco that got you there, then. The Listen sports. to the gays cackling it, when you say that. We was, love it. It was Vodafone. <laughs> Flew me and Ross and a few others. And that's where I met Carol Vorderman. It was the best weekend <laughs> of my life. Private jet... It was amazing. But yeah, did you but enjoy the, the Formula yeah. One? Um, well, I was very, very hungover from um, a really good night the night before. Yeah. And we were sat right in front of the pits. And I did find it relentlessly <laughs> fascinating watching them um, change all the tyres over and over. And I'd, yeah, but it, it probably was quite boring. But I, I had a great day. Yeah. It was a good day out. Shall I tell you what I think is so? This is slightly digressing, but not. I was, what, I was in the park the other day. And there was a crowd of straight men who were playing frisbee. And all they were doing was just throwing this frisbee from one to the other. And I remember watching it for about ten minutes thinking, what is it about this activity that you are enjoying? It just seems so kind of basic and simple. Can I ask, were they dads? They were, about, they were in the 30s, actually. They're Could be. Because I was just thinking, if they were there with kids, they're probably just thinking, well, we've got to do Get something. Get away. Well, yeah. having said that, though, a friend of mine, David, is a big fan of frisbee in the sea on holiday. And actually, weird. That's all right. Yeah, but yeah. It's, it's actually quite good cardio. It, do, it does become... Like compulsive things like that, I think. I remember um, once in America with friends spending hours doing hacky sack, where <laughs> it's like a tiny little foamy, um, it's bean like, bag. A, like a bean yeah. bag, and we had to toss it to each other using just our feet. And it became, I don't know, I just became obsessed. <laughs> it's with like it's doing this. Yeah, it's kind of like the physical equivalent of that Candy Crush thing, where it's yes. literally just yeah. it's something to do with you know people build up meditation and mindfulness into this big thing is it just the equivalent of emptying your brain yes, when yes, these men so. are throwing frisbees to each other I think it's the simplicity of it that's probably quite intoxicating it's they like, forget you know, all their problems and out. they just concentrate on the all act the of throwing the toxic masculinity coursing <laughs> yeah. through their veins with, with every flick out. of that frisbee yeah. they're relinquishing yeah. their negative energy that's what's really going on there we're so deep on this one we really are but anyway yeah. such a deep note um, we do have to end it there, I'm afraid. But, um, Matt, Sorry, I'm still laughing. I know. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> Thank you for having me. It's been great. Thank you for hauling it to my house. Yes. Well. It's yes. been my pleasure entirely. Um, um, good luck with the book. Uh, Thank you. I can't wait to see the film. Uh, me neither. I know. Do check it out. Madonna Bowl is available now in all good bookshops and on Amazon. And we'll see you again next week. Bye. Bye-bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.